0: Take your copy of God's Word, please, and turn to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30. Uh, Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. Uh, This commemorates the past 40 years that uh, Roe versus Wade has been the law of the land, and thinking about over 50 million babies who've been aborted in that time. And before I preach this morning, I want to say this. In a crowd like this, with over 50 million babies being aborted... Now, there's a very good likelihood that there are several people in this room who've had an abortion. And I want you to understand, I love you. I'm not mad at you. Uh, And I hope that you have received grace and healing for that because I know it's a traumatic decision uh, for anyone to make. And the purpose of this message is not to condemn you, but to encourage us as a church family to take a stand for life. And uh, the Bible is not silent about life. I had a number of texts I could have preached from this morning, but the Lord laid this on my heart. This text today we're reading, some of the last words that Moses ever penned before he died. Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. It's the last book of the Pentateuch. And shortly after Moses penned these chapters, he died on the top of Mount Nebo, watching the people of Israel go into the promised land. He had led them for 40 years but was not able to go into the promised land with them. Why? Because he did not obey God. And we need to take that very, very seriously. As as an individual, as a church, as Sunday school classes, we need to take very seriously obeying God. And so today, please don't think I'm mad at you if you've had an abortion or maybe you paid for somebody's abortion. Uh, I just want to tell you what the Bible says about life this morning. Well, let's stand together as a our respect for the reading of God's word. And this is the word of the living God. For this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whether thou goest to possess it, but if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whether thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth, to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed mayest live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God and that thou mayest obey his voice and that thou mayest cleave unto him for he is thy life and the length of thy days which that thou mayest... Dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. May God add his blessings to the reading of his holy word. You may be seated. We have a slide today. I don't a lot of times use PowerPoints, but I have one today. I was in my office, and for some reason, I don't know why, but I went to the internet, and I clicked news, and I saw a story about a shooting in Newtown, Connecticut. And when I went to that story to find out what had happened, this was one of the pictures that I saw. And I want you to look at that young lady's face. Do you see the anguish on her face? Uh, When I saw that, I wondered, who is this lady? And why is that look on her face? And I thought, she might be a young mother. And she's trying to find out where her child is. And she's concerned about her child. Later on, I found out that she is one of the three Soto sisters. The oldest sister was a teacher in the Sandy Hook Elementary School, and she actually died shielding her class from the gunman. And this is her younger sister, and she was at the fire station, and she had just received word that her sister was not among the wounded at the hospital, nor was she among those who were safe at the fire station. So at the moment this picture was taken, she had just realized her sister was dead. When I saw that picture, it riveted me. Mary and I went home that night, and we wept together as we thought about those 20 homes where those school children would have gone after school. And it was Christmas, and most of those homes probably were decorated for Christmas. And many of them had Christmas trees up. And under those Christmas trees were presents with those 20 names on them for those children, not to mention the teachers and the administrators that gave their life for those students. That picture talks to us about how precious life is. The Sotos knew Paul Simon personally, and at her sister's memorial service, he sang his iconic song, The Sound of Silence. You really don't need to say anything to look at that picture and realize the power that death has over the human race. I appreciate the folks showing that this morning. You can turn it off now. The Bible says we have a choice to make. I don't know what you were doing in 1973. Some of you haven't, had, haven't discovered, hadn't discovered America in 1973. I know that. A lot of you folks up here, you're thinking, well, that's ancient history, Brother Mike. I was alive then. I assure you, I, I can remember it well. In fact, I can tell exactly where I was. I was in New Orleans, Louisiana. I was a third-year theology student at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, and I had one thing on my mind in 1973 and that was graduation. I was in my last semester at seminary. I'd paid all my bills. All I had to do was take the courses and pass them, and I would graduate in May. Something else happened in January of 1973 that had never happened before and hasn't happened since. A football team called the Miami Dolphins went all the way through an NFL season undefeated and even won the Super Bowl. No other team has ever done that. No team had done it before, and no team has done it since then. And to be honest with you, I knew a whole lot more about the Miami Dolphins and their football team than I did about the Supreme Court. But in January of 1973, a case that was sent to the Supreme Court from Dallas, Texas, in which a woman whose name on the court case was Jane Roe, uh, was suing the state of Texas to be allowed to have an abortion on demand. And when it went to a what we thought was a conservative Supreme Court, the Supreme Court ruled that abortion on demand became the law of the land. That was in January of 1973. Since January 1973, there have been over 50 million abortions. In the United States of America. Think about that. The population of Alabama is between four and a half and five million people. Over ten times the population of our state has been aborted since 1973. I have in my notes here today that today one out of every three pregnancies ends in abortion. If we sent a group of men into battle, and we said, one out of every three of you men will die on this battlefield. Those losses would not be acceptable to the military. If we had a city in our nation that was so crime-ridden that every night one out of every three people in that city was gunned down, drastic measures would be taken to stop the bloodshed. And yet, for 40 years, since January 1973, abortion on demand is the law of the land. Now, some of you ladies may say, oh, you meddling old preacher. You keep your hands off my body. Madam, I assure you, I don't want to put my hand on your body. That's not the point of this message. Here's the point of this message. Most of the abortions that are performed are not performed because of rape or incest or any reason like that. Most of the abortions performed are not done for medical reasons. Medical terminations of pregnancy have always been legal because doctors know that if the mothers die, the unborn baby will die. That, is all, that, that didn't, wasn't affected by Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade simply says, a woman in America who is pregnant may walk into an abortion clinic and have an abortion for no reason. You say, why is that wrong? Well, The Bible just said, I've set before you a choice, life or death, good or evil, and God said, choose life. I love Dr. Mark Foley. He preached for us last November. Here's what he said in his article the other day. He said, ask the right question. The violence we experience in our culture is not caused by machines, be they firearms, automobiles, or any other readily available powerful machine. It is caused by people who misuse machines. A good question will focus upon contributing factors to our culture of violence. Another good question will examine the rise in irresponsible behavior. The right question will focus upon the cause and remedy of depraved human behavior. The right question allows exploration of truly effective answers. And John MacArthur said this, the problem of abortion is primarily defined as a blow struck against the sovereignty of God. Because God is the giver of life. That's what it says there in verse 15. God says, see, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. And life is a divine choice. And let me assure you this, if God had not made a choice for life, you and I would not be here today. We wouldn't be having this discussion. It was God who said, that I will create man in my image. It was God who said, let the man and woman multiply and subdue the earth. It was God who said to Abraham, I'll multiply your seed and they'll become as numerous as the sands on the seashore when Abraham did not even have a child and he was an old man. God renewed that promise. God is the giver of life. A few weeks ago, well, I guess it's been a couple of months ago now, my phone buzzed one day And I looked down on my text message. I had a text, and I'm not real good at texting anyway. And I got this text message, and it was the most unusual text message I'd ever seen. It didn't say anything. There was just a little picture there. And it wasn't a very good picture. It was a grainy picture. But as I finally manipulated my cell phone and blew up the picture, I realized what it was. It was an ultrasound picture of a little tiny baby. You say, well, what's special about that? That baby's my next grandchild. You say, is a boy or girl? I don't know. They say they're not going to find out. The other day when they went for the last test, the baby was laying on, on his or her belly, very modest, and uh, would not let them find out even if they wanted to. But I want to tell you, I was so fired up man, I I wanted to shout and scream and holler and dance. I almost forgot I was Baptist and danced. I was so happy. Uh, And uh, we talked to Jake and Sarah that night and I said, man, I wanna pray for y'all. And I got on the phone and I started praying and God just got all over me and I was so grateful for that. And I was just crying and praying and crying and praying. And you say, what's gonna happen when the baby's born? I'm gonna cry and pray and cry and pray. I, I, man, I just love grandbabies. That's, you know, that, you know I got two already. Now I'm gonna have a third one. I hope I get a hundred more. Uh, that may be a little rough on Sarah, but, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, man, I, I love those little grandbabies. And, and by the way, if we had a hundred, I'd love every one of them. Now they wouldn't get near as much as Christmas as they do now, but I'd love every one of them. Why? Because life is exciting. Man, when you you go to the doctor and you've been sick, and he said, well, I've got good news. We're going to be able to clear this up. We're going to be able to, to cure you. Uh, over 10 years ago when I was told I had cancer, went in for cancer surgery and the doctor came out and said, we got all the cancers. It didn't go through your bladder lining. And if you come to see me every six months, you're going to live. Do you think I let six months go by without going to see that doctor? Absolutely not. Why? Because I like living now. I'm ready to go whenever God calls my name. I sure hope I get to live to see the grandbaby, but uh, if, if I'm not, that's all right. God's got a better plan for that. We don't control that. God controls life and death, and God says when you have a choice, you ought to choose life. When you have a choice, you ought to choose everlasting life. Some of you haven't made that choice yet. That's the most important choice you make. You say, well, doesn't God just give it to me whether I want it or not? Oh, no, no. You have to ask for it. You have to seek it. You have to desire it. God is never going to save anybody against their will. And God will never let anybody go to hell when they want to go to heaven. He's a sovereign God. But if you really want to go to heaven, I've got good news for you. God so loved the world. And he loves you. Well, God says choose life. First of all, he's the giver of life. And it's a divine choice. I've set before thee. And it's a deliberate choice, life and good. That's a choice every one of us makes every day. When I get up in the morning, I'm going to choose life. I'm going to choose good. I want to choose things that will help people, not hurt people. I want to make the right decisions, not the wrong decisions. I don't want to do anything that will compromise my testimony. Every day I have decisions to make. And usually it's pretty clear cut. But then there's also a devilish choice, death and evil. And some people choose that. Some people choose death and evil. That man who went into Sandy Hook Elementary School chose death. I went back and did some research, and since I've been around since 1948, and I was an adult after about 1970, I graduated from college in 1970, and I hope I've been an adult since then. I'm not always sure I really have been. In fact, I You know, sometimes don't act like an adult every day. I have to choose to do that, too. But uh, I started researching school shootings. You know when the first public school shooting was in America, mass shooting? It was when I was a freshman in college. August 1st, 1966, Charles Whitman climbed a tower at the University of Texas in Austin. And from that tower shot people. He was a former Marine marksman, and he was taken out by a SWAT team. But that day, he shot people. That was the first school shooting in America in 1966. Another school shooting did not take place until nearly 20 years later. You say, well, what's the point here? Well, since they started again 20 years later, almost in every decade, there have been a number of school shootings. Jonesboro, Arkansas. North Carolina had a school shooting. Virginia Tech had a school shooting. This latest school shooting was especially heinous because it involved the youngest students in the school and young teachers trying to prepare those children for life. You see, we in America made a choice in 1973. The Supreme Court made it for us. And let me remind you that the Supreme Court has not always been right. You say, are you preaching against the Constitution? No, I'm preaching against bad choices by the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said in 1853 that Dred Scott was not a human being because he was in Africa, of African descent. They were wrong when they did that. He's a human being made in God's image. And that was overturned. I am hoping and praying and calling on God for the day when we overturn Roe versus Wade. By the way, the lady who was Jane Roe, she is now an avid pro-life spokesperson. She realizes she was wrong, and she's asked God for forgiveness. I could name you abortion doctors and abortion nurses who made literally tens of thousands of dollars from the abortion industry, and that's what it is. It's an industry. That's why these people want to stay at it. Who now have come out and said... It's wrong. I was wrong. God, forgive me. I'm guilty of the blood of innocent children. God is the giver of life. And God offers to guide our life. Notice in verse 16, he tells us, if we love him, he will guide our life. Every day when you get up, you have a choice to make. And by the way, don't say, well, it's tough to be a Christian. Well, it is. You have to die every day. You have to die every day. That's one thing that Kyle Eidelman said. He said, instead of trying daily to live as a Christian, you ought to be dying daily to live as a Christian. I wish I'd said that. You say, what well, you just did. Yeah, but I stole it from Kyle Eidelman, so I'm going to give him credit for it. The guy who wrote Not a Fan. You see, when you get up every morning, you say, I'm, I'm going to die to self today so I can live for Jesus. If you're not doing that, guess who you're living for? You're living for self. And you may be a fan instead of a follower. I want to tell you, folks. This, this issue of following Jesus, it determines where you'll spend eternity. Because if, you're th- if you think you're a Christian and, and you're not following Jesus, you're not going to heaven. There's a verse in the Bible where Jesus said, a lot of people are going to say to me that day, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, I never knew you. Listen, don't you sit in this church and say, well, I was baptized, I said the prayer, you know, I raised my hand at the Billy Graham meeting, I did that. Listen, the way you can tell you're a Christian is are you following Jesus day by day? You say, well, isn't that hard? No, it's not hard. You say, we have to keep all those commandments. Yeah, two of them. What commandments are those that love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself? Those are the only two you have to worry about. Jesus said all the law, all the prophets contained in those two, but it is a daily choice. Love the Lord, and then live for the Lord. Walk in his ways and keep his commandments, his statutes and judgments. Again, only two things you have to do. And then look unto the Lord that thou mayest live and multiply And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. And did you notice that he mentioned their seed? You know what? That's their offspring. That's the children. God help us. We're murdering generations of children, and nobody's saying anything. What happened in Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut? Was a tragedy. I hope it never happens again. But we live in a culture of death. We glorify death on video games. We make good guys the bad guys, and bad guys the good guys. How are we going to change that culture? One mind, one heart at a time. We need to understand how valuable and precious life is. God is the giver of life and and God wants to guide our lives but God will govern our life. You see when you serve God you don't have to worry about going off and doing something wrong. I can promise you this when I'm tempted I have a choice to make. And and the Holy Spirit makes it abundantly clear. You do that, you're going to the woodshed. The other day, I was driving to the pastor's conference. This lady in front of me wouldn't turn into the hospital. And I had Brother Jim Miner in my car. I also had Brother Benny Jackson, a man who's been visiting our church with his wife. And this person, I don't know if it's a man or a woman, they wouldn't turn. I could have turned 42 times. I wanted to blow my horn, but I had Brother Jim Miner and Benny Jackson in the car, and I couldn't blow my horn. Well, that's my weak spot. I think I own the road when I'm on it, and Holy Spirit's saying, you're going to the woodshed, you're going to the woodshed, you better not blow that horn. You better not act ugly. Here's Jim Miner, he'll testify against you. Benny Jackson will testify against you. They'll tell Mary, and you'll really be in trouble. I didn't blow my horn. I finally got across. Lord made me park in the farthest reaches of the parking lot that day <laughs> as punishment. thought I was never going to get to the meeting. But notice the Bible says we can become wayward in our heart if thine heart turns away. Is your heart turned toward the Lord today or is it turned toward yourself? We can get deaf ears. Sometimes we hear what people are saying, but we're really not listening. We're not going to heed. We're saying, okay, tell me this so you can get through telling me that I'm going to do what I want to do. We do God that way. Backsliding, thou shalt be drawn away. Idolatry, you shall worship other gods and serve them. By the way, that's the topic of Kyle Eidelman's next book. It's about the idols and the lives of believers. And then that leads to death. Ye shall surely perish. You see, if you follow God, you get life. If you follow the devil, you get death. Now we'll close with facts about abortion. One out of every three pregnancies ends in an abortion. Imagine that. One out of every three children conceived in America is aborted. Over fifty million abortions have been performed in the United States. Since 1973, and Debbie, that is a very conservative number. It could be as many as 60 or 70 million, but we know at least 50 million have been performed. In addition to, so, so to the early term abortions, partial birth abortions, which is the cruelest form of abortion, the baby is literally sucked apart in a partial birth abortion. It's hard to watch If you love children, it is hard to watch a partial birth abortion. It will tear your heart out. And now they have the so-called morning after pills, and guess what? They've come up with a new one that I hadn't even heard about until this week, the week after pill. You can take a pill a week after you conceive a child, and it's a medically induced abortion. You say, why is that wrong? Because it's an abortion. It's an abortion, that baby's growing. It may just be a few days old, it may be a week old, but that baby is growing. Uh, Mary's got an app on her cell phone. She can tell you where our baby, grandbaby is right now. You say, well you don't know the sex, you don't have to know the sex. She knows how long it is and how much it weighs, and she knows what organs are already developed, and, and she knows how that, she told me the other day, the baby is drinking amniotic fluid. Not gonna be born until late May or early June already drinking amniotic fluid for hydration purposes. You tell me that's not fearfully and wonderfully made. You tell me that's not an act of God. You tell me that's not a miracle. And abortion stops that. I decided to go to one of the websites. I didn't really want to, but I made myself. I went to Planned Parenthood's website. Now, Planned Parenthood sounds like a noble-sounding organization, but it's a death-dealing organization. When you go to their website, the first thing you see as one of their services is abortion. And then you see that they have birth control, emergency, and contraceptive, uh, contraception. They were the ones who had morning after and week after pills available. And then this one, and that, now you need to circle this one. Uh, it's LGBT. There are some of you who probably don't know what that means because you, you just have not heard that. Well, you need to become, that's Lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender. And that is the biggest, as far as numerical lobbying group, they're not the biggest in the population, but that is the biggest lobbying group in Washington. Whatever they want, they get. And they're the ones who are pushing same-sex marriage and who pushes them, Planned Parenthood. STD, sexually transmitted diseases, Uh, They have testing, treatment, and vaccines, and those are listed among their services, and it was on their website I learned about the week after appeal. Now, I got a little long-winded, so you have to turn a page. What can I do? Here's what I want you to do. First of all, I want you to write this down. I didn't put this in there. Pray for Hobby Lobby. Pray for Hobby Lobby. You say, why are you asking us to pray for a store? If, in case you don't know about Hobby Lobby, Hobby Lobby was started in the basement of a home by some Christian folks. It was started with a loan of like three or $400, and they literally ran it out of their basement. It started growing, and now they're the largest uh, craft and hobby place in America. Uh, they're well known for their Christian stand. They're like Chick-fil-A. Uh, they're, they're outstanding Christians. They're not open on Sunday. They choose to be closed on Sunday where their people can Go to church if they want to. Uh, Sunday is the most lucrative day in their business and their field, but they choose to be closed every Sunday. And now they're facing the biggest dilemma they've ever had because Obamacare is threatening to put them out of business. So pray for Hobby Lobby and be an encouragement to them. Whether you want to go to their website and write them an encouraging note or whether you want to go by one of the stores and say, hey, we're praying for you guys. We know this is rough on y'all. But you know, those of us who are pro-life need to stick together. When I go to pro-life rallies, uh, I always look forward to seeing the Knights of Columbus. Uh, they always have their full attire on when they come out. They come out dressed, they wear swords. You say, why, why do you want to be with them? Well, if there's a fight started, I want to be behind a guy that's got a sword. I, you know, I, I just have to use bare hands, but these guys carry swords. I, I guess they're real, they, they wear them anyway, but uh, Anybody who stands for life is my ally in the fight for life. Anybody. Especially my brothers and sisters in Christ. So pray for Hobby Lobby. Uh, First of all, give your life to Christ. If you're not saved, today's a good day to be saved. In fact, there won't be a better day to be saved than today. May never be another day for you to be saved but today. Walk in the ways of the Lord. Support, stand, and speak for the unborn who cannot speak for themselves. Isn't it something that when the mother goes into an abortion clinic, the doctor or the nurse can tell her everything, and she makes the decision and she signs on the line, and the person that is affected the most doesn't get to say a word because they're inside their mother's womb. The most dangerous place, and Mother Teresa said this, the most dangerous place in America is the womb today. One out of three babies are aborted from their mother's womb. That's why we have the culture of violence. That's why we have school shootings. That's why we have drive-by shootings. That's why we have all this problem. We don't respect life. And then the last thing is to support pro-life organizations with money, time, and influence. You say, well, what are they? Well, I'm going to mention the two that I support. I support Save a Life Shelby. Now there are other uh, groups that provide abortion counseling, but I don't have all the money in the world, and I have to choose who I support. And I know the track record of Save a Life Shelby. And so I donate every year to Save a Life Shelby. Our church donates monthly. It's not a large amount, but they get a check from our church every month to Save a Life Shelby. That's one organization I support. The other one is the Alabama Baptist Children's Home and Family Ministries. You say, are they pro-life? Absolutely pro-life. In fact, after the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School, when I saw everything that everybody was sending up to Connecticut, I thought, you know, I know people want to do something, but all those teddy bears are going to rot in the rain. All those candles are going to burn out. They're going to be, you know what's going to happen one day? They're going to scoop them all up and put them in a dump somewhere. And I said, I want to do something that counts for somebody. And so I sent $100 of my money to the St. Jude Children's Hospital. And Mary's money, by the way. Don't think Mary didn't have something to do with that. I sent $100 to the Baptist Children's Home. Sent $100 to save a life. Sent $100 to another, to Children's Hospital. Why? Because teddy bears don't help anybody. Unless you give them to a live child in the hospital, that helps them. And I'm not opposed to that. But just laying a teddy bear out in the rain is not going to help those children that died. We need to do something positive. I support organizations that are good for children, like the ones I mentioned. Children's Hospital, St. Jude Children's Hospital, on a Christian basis, Save a Life, and and the Children's Home. But here's what you need to do. You say, I can't send them any money. Volunteer. Go down and say, hey, I want to answer the phone at Save a Life Shelby. I I want to be an encouragement to troubled girls who come in there. Offer them your time. Get involved in the Walk for Life. That's coming up, Debbie, in the spring. That's probably their largest source of fundraising. Sponsor somebody. If you can't walk, sponsor somebody. Do something so people know whose side you're on. I want to close with a word from my hero, Adrian Rogers. He said, why does Satan hate life? Because he hates man. And why does he hate man? Because man is made in the image of God. And Satan hates God. But he cannot get at God. So he tries to get at you and your family instead. One of the ways that Satan gets to us is by having us as a nation having abortion on demand as the law of the land. not not by a presidential proclamation, not by a law passed in Congress and ratified by the states, but by a decision of the Supreme Court who's been wrong before, and they're wrong now. God, help us to choose life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this word from your word. Lord, I thank you for those who are on our side in the battle for life. I thank you for those who love the unborn because, Lord, you tell us in your word that you're the one who knits us together in our mother's womb. You're the one who told us we're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're the one who told us that all the days ordained for us were recorded in your book before one of them ever came to be. Lord, you are the great giver of life. Lord, without you, we'd all be on our way to hell. And we thank you for eternal life. Lord, we're grateful for human life, for the ability to love and laugh and and to help one another and to bear one another's burdens or to tell people about Jesus. Father, I pray we'd stand up for life today because Jesus himself said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Father, if there's someone here today that needs to be saved, let them come to Jesus today. there's someone that needs a church home, let them come today to be a part of this fellowship. there's someone here today, Lord, maybe they've had an abortion, or maybe they've taken part in paying for an abortion, they're heartbroken today. Let them come to this altar and find peace. Let them talk to one of our staff. Father, for those who just want to come and pray for our nation, that's what this altar is for. Now, Lord, help us to do what this old hymn says, Only Trust You. Because if we trust you, you'll make right everything that's wrong. And you'll keep our feet on holy ground. That's our prayer today in Jesus' name.